Amen, Clemson FCA. How we doing? Yeah. Hey, can we give our hands, put our hands together, put your engines together for the FCA leadership team? Anyone? <clears throat> hey, I mean this when I say this. Um, I came here two weeks ago to hear my, my buddy Josh, Josh Bull preach, and I was blown away from the time I pulled into this field to the time that I left by the greeters, by the logistics, by this field, by the production, by the creativity, uh, the innovation, literally everything is, is amazing. And I just want you to know, I celebrate you, FCA leadership team. I honor you. Uh, you truly are bringing God so much glory by the way you're stewarding this season. And so well done. Well done. I really mean that. Hey, my name is Glenn, and um, I am just a ragtag pastor from, from New Spring Church. I lead our young adult ministry called Rally. Uh, and yeah, there's one shout. That's awesome. And uh, if, there's, if, if there's anything we can ever do for you, I mean this, let us know, because we'd love to help you anyway, um, any way that we can. Uh, I'm from uh, Greenville, went to Clemson. Uh, I actually live here now with my wife. I, I, I graduated from Clemson in 2017. Uh, I was a PRTM major, LOL. Yeah, okay. Someone tonight said, I've always heard party right through May, but he said, please respect the major, PRTM. I thought that was awesome. So, so, so yeah, I still live in Clemson, um, and man, I, I love this city, I love this ministry, and man, I want y'all to know, this is cliche, but I, I really am honored to be here and be a small part of, of the ministry of FCA, so thank you so much for having me. <clears throat> I'm going to jump right in if that's cool with y'all. Uh, I don't have like a cool intro tonight, I really just want to get to my message because I'm super excited to talk about this tonight, uh, this topic. Uh, it's one of my favorites, and not only that, but it's, it, it's a brand new series called Let's Talk About It. Is anyone excited for that? Let's talk about it. Y'all have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's all good. All right, tonight, I'm going to talk about a, a subject that has created a lot of controversy in church world. Uh, it's a topic that has um, created some confusion. It's a topic that has maybe made a couple, even believers, frustrated. Uh, it's a topic that um, people have debated about and disagreed about. Uh, it's a topic that uh, maybe you even have a wall up in your own life when it comes to this topic. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Anyone excited? The Holy Spirit? Yeah? He's pretty important, right? <clears throat> and so, um, yeah, we're just going to go there, okay? And, and some of you may already be nervous. You're already like, oh my gosh, is it going to get weird, right? I've, like, I've been to one of these uh, maybe you've been to a church service or a conference or an event uh, where people were filled with the Spirit and they started doing a lot of super weird things. Or maybe you've, um, maybe you've had a conversation with a pastor or a friend about the Holy Spirit and you left that conversation more confused, right? Or maybe, um, maybe you've even been, like I said, to an FCA in the past on a Thursday night. I've been to one of these where... Um, people start doing Holy Spirit things, and it just got real bizarre and awkward, right? Have you been there? Because I have. I'll, I'll share a quick, uh, quick story. Um, a couple years ago, uh, I was at a buddy's, um, my, my roommate from college, his wedding, and uh, it was the night before his wedding, and I was hanging out with his brother. We were on the back porch, and he comes up to me, and he was like, hey, man, you want to go pray in tongues together? And I was like, I was like, not, not really, like, I don't know, I don't, can I do that? I don't know, I've never done that. And this was like a point in my life where I was like kind of weirded out by the Holy Spirit, didn't really know what I believed. 
And he was like, yeah, man, just let's go outside and, and, and we're going to do it. So I was like, okay, this is weird. But he literally, we go outside and he just like starts letting it rip, okay? And I was super uncomfortable, like super weirded out. And he's like, it's like 11 o'clock at night and he's just shouting in tongues, okay? And I'm like, he's like, yeah, bro, just start murmuring words. Like it'll come to you. I'm like, I don't know if that's how that works, and it just got super weird. I was like, hey, bro, I'm going inside. You're waking up the neighbors. This is awkward. I'm going inside. It got super weird, okay? And I'm not, like, downplaying praying in tongues. So that's another sermon for another time. I'm not, I'm all about praying in tongues. But that's, at this point in my life, this was five years ago, and I really had a perception of the Holy Spirit that was, I was confused. I was frustrated. I had no idea what I believed about him because I had seen so many people misuse the gifts of the Spirit, And I just didn't know what I believed. And if I had to bet, the majority of you tonight have either been there or you're there right now. You're confused and you don't know what you believe. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And so uh, here's what I'm going to do, okay? I I have one goal tonight, one goal, and here it is. It's that you would leave tonight encouraged and excited to pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? That you would leave encouraged and excited to pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so here's the the one question. We're going to put this on the screen. Here's kind of like my main theme for tonight. Okay? Everything I say is going to be based off of this point and this question. Can't see if it's on the screen. Is it on the screen? The Holy Spirit has gone great lengths to be in intimate relationship with you. Are you with him? The Holy Spirit has gone great lengths to be in intimate relationship with you. The question I have for you tonight, FC, is are you with him? All right, here's what I'm going to do on the front end, okay? I'm going to go through seven major themes throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation where we see the Spirit of God pursuing mankind. All right, it's going to be a little bit teachy. I'm going to go through a lot of Scripture. But then after that, I'm going to give us four uh, practical points of how this applies to us today in 2020. Is that cool? Is that cool? Yeah? Great. I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in. Jesus, uh, we need you. I need you. Would you speak through me tonight? Uh, Would you give me your words? God, would you take away anything that is of my flesh or that is of my own um, cleverness? God, I want to speak your words. Would you speak to the hearts of every person here tonight? Um, And would you help us to all to leave with a more passionate desire to pursue intimacy with you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, we're going to start in the Garden of Eden. Is that up there? I can't see. I'm just going to assume it is. Garden of Eden. This is the first place where we see the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says in Genesis 2, 7 through 8. This is the creation story, right? God has created the heavens and the earth. We get to day 6, and God creates Adam and Eve. And here's what it says in Chapter 2, 7 through 8, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. So so we see from the very beginning uh, that the Spirit of God is what brings life. Right? God takes this dust... This is so amazing. I wish I could have seen this. God takes dust and he literally breathes his spirit or his ruach or his breath into this dust. And Adam, Adam is created. And so like I said, we see from the very beginning, the spirit of God is what gives us life. 
The problem is Genesis 3 happens, sin enters the world, and now all of humanity is born with like a pulled plug. So I like to think about it that Adam and Eve, uh, because they had the spirit in them, they were born connected to their source of life. But because they sin, all of humanity is now affected, and now all of humanity is born with a pulled plug. And so don't so much think about the fall as a story where Adam and Eve broke a rule. Worse than that, they broke a connection to their source of life. Right? Does that make sense? They broke a connection to the one thing that would give them life, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. And so we see from the very beginning that the Holy Spirit is what gives life. And so I'm about to prove to you, after this point, the whole narrative of Scripture is God going back to pursue man by His Spirit to be in intimate relationship with them again. So we go from Eden, we go down to the tabernacle. All right, a lot of time has passed, obviously, from Eden to the tabernacle. Just a quick Bible lesson. Uh, you got the three patriarchs. you got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, the 12 sons of Israel, one of those sons being Joseph. And Joseph gets sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt, right? Y'all know the story. And the whole nation of Egypt ends up, or the whole nation of Israel ends up enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. God raises up Moses, he sends Moses to Pharaoh, and he says, hey, let my people go, right? You all know the song. And then the Israelites end up leaving Egypt, and they're freed from Egypt, and they come to Mount Sinai where God makes a covenant with Moses. He gives them the Ten Commandments and basically says, hey, Moses, from here on out, you are going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. And so God at Mount Sinai begins to give Moses all these instructions for how they're supposed to live in relationship together. And so he gives them instructions on on building a tabernacle. And here's what it says in Exodus 25, 8 through 9. It says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Notice that word, dwell. I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So this is a big deal because this is the first time from the Garden of Eden where God is now pursuing man again. Right? He tells them to build this tabernacle. Why? Why? So that God, by his spirit, can pursue man and be in intimate relationship with him again. Man would come into the tabernacle. They'd offer sacrifices. They would worship God here. They would make sacrifices. They would be in God's presence. This was the first time from Eden that God would pursue man by his spirit. We're going to go to the next one. Temple. The temple. So a couple hundred years have passed from the tabernacle to the temple. The Israelites are not wandering in the wilderness anymore. They're in Canaan. They're in their promised land, right? And they've gone through judges. Uh, They ask God for a king. God's like, you don't want a king. They say, no, we do want a king. And so God gives them King Saul and then King David. And then David has a son, Solomon, right? And and Solomon says, God, I'm going to build you a temple. And now this temple is very similar to the tabernacle, but it's in a permanent place, And so the context of this verse is um, they had just got done building the temple. And here's what it says in 1 Kings 8, 10 through 13. It says, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, or the presence filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark in a dark cloud i've indeed built a magnificent temple for you a place for you to dwell forever and so again 
This is another example where God, by his spirit, is pursuing man to dwell with him. In the temple, just like the tabernacle, they would, sac- they would make sacrifices. They would worship God. They would be in God's presence. <laughs> Things go bad from here, though. Exile. Context of this, if you know the story of Israel... Uh, the, the kingdom is divided into two kingdoms because of the disobedience of the Israelites, right? You've got a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And ultimately, over time, God says, hey, I'm tired of your disobedience. I'm tired of you worshiping Ashura and Baal and all these other idols and gods. I'm going to send you into exile. So God sends the people to Babylon. And worse than that, though, not only does he send the people to Babylon, but his presence leaves the temple, So that's the context of this text here. Here's what it says. Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped over the cherubim. While I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground, and as they went, the wheels went with them. They stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. And so literally from this, like from Eden to the tabernacle to temple to exile, from this point moving forward, God's presence is gone. Other than a select few prophets that the Spirit would come on to speak to the people, other than that, God's presence is gone for hundreds of years. And the, and the nation of Israel literally does not experience the presence of God. you got Ezekiel 37 where it talks about the valley of dry bones. Right? And it's this prophetic picture of the nation of Israel now that the Spirit of God has left, that these people are dry, and they're broken, and they're desperate without the presence of God. Because remember, in Eden, you see that the presence of God is what gives life, and now that the presence of God is gone, there's no life. And it's this valley of dry bones. But there's good news. I got two more, and then I'm, gonna, and, and then I'm done. Two more. Then Jesus comes. And let me just, this is this is... This is, um, is amazing, okay? I need you to feel the weight of these next two. I got three more, but the next two, I need you to feel the weight of these, okay? The presence of God has been gone for, for hundreds of years, okay? And Jesus, from the, the, the King of kings and Lord of lords, decides to put on flesh and bone, leave heaven and come down to earth. Why? To dwell amongst man, Okay, so, so in John 1, 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling, dwelling, dwelling. There's that word again. Made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here's what I want you to know. <clears throat> Jesus is the walking tabernacle now. Like, Jesus is the walking temple. Jesus is the place where the presence of God now dwells. He carries the presence of God now. In Luke, you see all throughout Luke, it says the Spirit of God is, is on me, or the Spirit of God is in me, or the, this Jesus walked in the power of the Spirit. Jesus Christ is now the place where the Spirit of God dwells. And what does Jesus do? He dwells amongst man so he can be in intimate relationship with them again. But it gets even better. It gets even better. God's people. God's people, I need you to feel the weight and the magnitude of this, okay? This is incredible. This is amazing. God's people, Acts 2, Jesus has died on the cross. He resurrected on the third day. He ascends to heaven. Well, before he ascended, he said, hey, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a helper, and then I want you to go start the church, all right? Jesus ascends. These, These disciples are in the upper room. In Acts 2, 1 through 4 happens. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I need you to feel this, okay? The same presence that was in Eden, the same presence that was in the tabernacle, that was in the temple, that left the temple and was, in, was sent the people into exile and the temple left, then it was on Jesus, and now it's on all believers who put their faith in Jesus. I can hardly see you right now, but I want you to raise your hand if you've put your faith in Jesus and you're a born-again believer. Okay, you have the same spirit in you that was in Eden. And you have the same spirit in you that was in the tabernacle and in the temple and that was on Jesus. You are now the walking temple of God. Feel the weight of that. You now house the presence of God. That is amazing. That is incredible. That should blow your mind because the same presence that people used to die in because of how holy God was has now decided to take residence in you. That's incredible. You're the walking tabernacle. You're the walking temple. You house the presence of God. It makes verses like 1 Corinthians 6, um, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own bodies. Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Why? Because you now house the presence of God. That's amazing. That's mind-blowing. If that doesn't get you excited, you need to check your pulse because that's incredible. You now house the presence of God. The last point before we get to the practicality, the new Jerusalem. So this is the vision in, in Revelation that John sees of the new heaven and the new earth. And here's what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older things have passed away. What was lost in the... The Garden of Eden will one day be restored in the new heaven and new earth. And right here it says there will be no crying, there will be no death, no mourning, no pain. And God will physically dwell amongst us again like he did in the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> Next slide, please. Just a picture of what we just went through. Eden, tabernacle, temple, exile, Jesus, God's people, New Jerusalem. Do you see it, FCA? God, from the beginning, was pursuing man by his spirit so he could dwell amongst them to be in intimate relationship with them. It's incredible. And what hurts my heart is that we have a, a, a church community and a church uh, world that stiff arms the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of weirded out by the Holy Spirit. And I get it. Again, I get it. Like, I've been there. There's weirdos in the church. But listen, if you want to know what the Holy Spirit is like, look at Jesus. Jesus wasn't weird. Jesus was unique. He wasn't weird. 
And so we can't use the excuse of like, oh, I grew up in a church that I, nah, 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 and I, and I, you know, and I had conversations and I saw some things. We can't use that excuse. We've seen in scripture, I just showed you in scripture that the whole narrative is God by his spirit pursuing you. And so my question for you is, are you going to pursue him? Because if you want to get theological, uh, how is God with us right now? Because where is Jesus at the right hand of the father? So who, how is God with us now? By his spirit. By his Holy Spirit. So we got to be people that pursue intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to give you four points, four practical things. I hope this is helpful for you of how this should affect us today in 2020. You ready? Number one, we got to beg God for more of his spirit. Is that up there? Number one, we got to beg God for more of his spirit. Ephesians 5.18, here's what it says. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. How do you get drunk? Simple, Simple answer, right? You continually drink alcohol. Some of you know that more than others. That's not good. You need to repent and you need to stop. But how do you get drunk? You continually consume alcohol. And so what Paul's saying is don't continually consume alcohol. Continually consume more of God's spirit. Continually drink more of God's spirit. And some of you may be thinking, okay, well, how does that happen? Right? Like that doesn't make sense. Like I received the Holy Spirit at salvation but there's more of him I can experience that doesn't make sense to me. And there's this debate of like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not here to get into that debate. Here's what I know that the Bible teaches, that you receive the Holy Spirit the day you're saved, but there is more of him to be experienced over your lifetime. There is more of him to be experienced. Why? Because God's eternal, right? God is, God is eter- he's an eternal God. He's not just like you get one sip and you're done. He's got more for you, more for you, more for you, and he wants to give you more. I want to read uh, Luke 11, 5 through 13. This is one of my favorite texts. Then Jesus said to them, he's, t- he's teaching his disciples a parable, and he says, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, though you're evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What Jesus is saying is, I want you to knock on this man's door until he gives you what you need. And then he parallels it with, I want you to knock on the doors of heaven until your Father gives you the Holy Spirit because your Father loves giving you the Holy Spirit. Ask and you will find. Seek Asking you to receive, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be open to you. we got to be people that are on our hands and knees daily begging God for more of his spirit. 
I'm, listen, I'm not here. I've heard enough cute sermons. There's enough Instagram preachers. I'm here to give you something practical that's going to help you. And so what does it look like for FCA every single morning to wake up, get on their hands and knees and say, God, I'm desperate for your spirit. I need more. I need more of you, God. We are like dry sponges. We're like sponges. We get filled up. We go throughout the day. We have some conversations with people. We, we, we have to resist temptation. And each time, wa- more water is like being pulled out. And we have to go back to God to fill, for him to fill us up daily. Your father loves to give you gifts. And the best gift is the Holy Spirit. And we have to be a community of people that are begging God for more. Listen, Jesus said... I want rivers of living water to be flowing out of you. Literally rivers of, like, overflow. Some of you are wells without water. You're wells with just a little bit of water. Jesus says, no, I want you to overflow to people. Rivers of living water. So i got to keep going, but we we got to be people that ask God, beg God for more of his spirit. Number two. We have to pursue a relationship with Holy Spirit. Who in here likes Star Wars? Any Star Wars fans? Okay, okay. I never really watched Star Wars. I got to be honest. I thought it was a little weird. But here's two things I remember as a kid that I did like about Star Wars. One was the lightsabers, right? It's super cool. Love the colors of the light. It was just, it was awesome. The second thing I loved about Star Wars was like the force you know what I'm talking about? When, when like, a Jedi would, like, and, and people would explode and buildings would fall. And, you know, clearly, you can tell I haven't really watched Star Wars. But with the Force, when they're like, whack. And some of you are like, where are you going with this? Well, what I'm saying is, like, this is how I used to use my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I treated him as a force, like this impersonal force. When it was like, okay, I'm struggling uh, I'm anxious right now. I need peace. I need joy. Holy Spirit, where are you? And I'm just letting you know, like, I don't think that's how it works. And hear me now. God can impart anything at any time. But what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit is after relationship. And what I want you to know is the Holy Spirit is not a person to be used. He's a person to grow in relationship with. He's not a force to be used. He's a person to grow in relationship with. And so what I mean by that is he's someone that we have to cultivate a relationship with. Just like any person that you love, whether it be a boyfriend, a wife, a husband, a best friend, a family member, just like you cultivate a relationship with someone like that that you love, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We tell them our you tell them your secrets, you laugh with them, you cry with them, you, you create space to be with them, you share your deepest, darkest secrets. Right? He's not a force to be used. He's a person to grow in relationship with. Think about this. The pinnacle of the intimacy with my wife was not the day that we got married. It's not the day that we got married. And I hope that our, I, I hope our intimacy over time grows weekly, daily, monthly, until the day, and literally until the day we're both dead. And it's the same thing with Holy Spirit. The pinnacle of your intimacy with him was not the day you got saved and he came and took residence in you. Your, your intimacy with him should grow over time, daily, weekly, monthly. 
Here's two areas where we have to get better when it comes to cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Number one, we got to create space to be with him. We have to create space to be with him. Okay? I'm just going to go here for a second. Some of you spend two hours on TikTok but can't spend 30 minutes in God's presence. Right? Some of you would rather binge watch Netflix than spend time with God in prayer. And I'm just like, I'm not here to shame you. I've been there, but I'm just letting you know it doesn't work that way. Think about if I put all these different things, Netflix, social media, golf, whatever, Think if I put those things in front of my wife. Do you think our relationship would be very fruitful? No, God is a jealous God. He wants to be first. He wants to be on the throne of your heart. So you've got to create space to be with him. The second area where we've got to get better at this is prayer. And specifically, like, listening prayer. Listening prayer. And what I mean by that is God is not a genie in a bottle. And so if your prayer life with the Holy Spirit is, hey, God, I need you to do this, this, and this. I'm struggling with this and this and this. Okay, have a nice day. Amen. That is not, that ain't it. That's not prayer. God, God, be still and know that I am God. Right? It's a practice of silence and solitude. It's a practice of listening. It's communication 101, right? Like when you talk to someone, you converse with them. Right, because you're in, like, again, back to my wife, back to a relationship with somebody I love. I don't talk my wife's head off and say, all right, babe, have a good day. Going to work, talk to you soon. No, I, I shut my mouth and I listen. I listen to her because I'm in relationship with her and I love her. And I want to hear what she has to say. Here's two, um, Two specific examples with this when it comes to listening. And here's what I'll say with creating space and listening. This is, a, this is something that takes time. Okay, if you wake up tomorrow and you sit in your room and try to listen, it, it's not going to be easy. Okay, it's, not, it's, some, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spiritual discipline that takes time. But any relationship takes time, right? Any relationship that you love, you're going to cultivate it and it's going it's to take time. And so here's just two quick stories um, when I was like, when I've, I've gotten better over the years of sitting with God and listening to him and, and in prayer. And here's this one story. I was, I was sitting and I was, um, I was in my den and I'm just, you know, talking to God and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm real quiet. And I hear him say, call Hollywood. And Hollywood is my, uh, pee, my peewee football coach from when I was six years old. I haven't talked to my man Hollywood in literally probably eight to ten years. Okay? And so I'm like, God, is this you? I don't know. Always, listen, if you're not sure if it's God, the, the only way you'll know is, you, if, is if you act on it. You'll never know if you don't act on it. So act on it. You may, you may be wrong. What's the worst thing that happens? You call Hollywood and encourage them and you're wrong. Whatever. Always act on it. So anyways, I call Hollywood and I said, hey, man, this is kind of weird. Haven't heard from you, you know, in 10 years, but uh, you were on my heart this morning. And I just wanted to call you, encourage you, tell you, you know, I miss seeing you, yada, yada, yada. And he was like, man, thank you so much. He said, work is killing me. My wife is about to leave me. And he said, I have, um, he has two autistic kids. And he said, they're struggling the worst they ever have since they've been born. And he said, on top of all of that, today is my 50th birthday. And 
I just remember in that moment going, God, this is why you told me to call Hollywood. Because I took the time and I listened. Second story. So, same thing. I'm sitting in my den. I'm listening. And I feel like God says, um, guard your heart at the hair salon today. And that was weird. I was like, that's weird. I was going to get my hair cut that day. Um, and I'm like, that's weird. I've been going to get the, the same haircut from the same lady for forever. And I didn't, I was like, God, is this you? Again, I didn't know, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to test it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So I get to the, to the hair salon. I'm sitting in the chair, getting my haircut. And let's just say this girl walks in and she's very attractive and she had just got done working out. And let's just say she barely had any clothes on. Okay. She had a super like skimpy sports bra, like spandex on, and, and, and I, in that moment, I was like, okay, well, and, and so she's like, hey, I can't find my clippers, and she's literally like, we're in this tiny little room, and she's like bending over, like looking for her clippers, like right in front of me, and I'm literally like looking up, and, and the lady was like, the girl cut my hair, was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to cut your ear off. I'm like, I'm, I don't know, I'm just looking for something, I don't know, you know, and and, and literally in that moment, I felt like God saying, this is why I told you to guard your heart at the salon today. And the point I'm making to you is prayer is, one, prayer is so much more fun that way. Because God is not my genie in a bottle. He's not Santa Claus. He's my friend that I want to grow in a relationship with, and he wants to tell me things. He wants to speak to me. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He knows what I need, and he wants to speak to me. So we have to create space to be with them, and we have to listen to them in prayer. Let me ask you this: If you got to spend, um, if you got to spend one day with the most beautiful, this is wet, and this is my computer, and I don't want to get ruined, so I'm going to put it down. If you got to spend one day with the most beautiful, amazing, incredible, wise. Um, adventurous, fun, witty, clever person, would you talk their head off all day or would you just listen and be in awe and wonder? I'd imagine you would listen and be in awe and wonder. And what I'm saying is you have the opportunity every single day to spend time with the person who is the most witty, who is the most beautiful, who is the most amazing, who is the most fun, who is the most adventurer. His name's Holy Spirit, and he wants to be in intimate relationship with you. So we've got to cultivate it with him. Number three, we've got to walk in obedience. This is a sticky one. This is a sticky one. Some of you may disagree with me. That's fine. We can have a conversation after. But we have to walk in obedience. Obedience is a sticky word in church. What comes to your mind when you think of obedience? For me, I think of like getting a whooping, just being honest. That's just like the first word that comes to my mind when I think of obedience. But I'm telling you, when you fall in love with the heart of the Father and the, the person of Jesus and, and, and you cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, obedience is a beautiful word. Right? I tell people all the time, the reason I do things for my wife and I do dishes for my wife and laundry or whatever, it's not because I want to. I hate it. I hate it. I do it because I love her. Right? And it's the same thing when I talk about obedience. You don't obey God out of just this, like, drudgery. You obey God because you love him, because you want to please him, because you understand how much he loves you. And so here's, I, I didn't even read the verse, uh, Ephesians 
438, I closed my computer and it had the verses on there. Ephesians, I think I remember it. Ephesians 430, uh, it's uh, don't grieve the spirit who is in you, who is signed your seal of redemption. Uh, and then 1 Thessalonians 519, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. And so um, here's, what I, here's what I want you to know. Did you know that your disobedience can cause the Holy Spirit sadness and sorrow? That's what it means to grieve or to quench the Holy Spirit. Now hear me, okay? There is a difference between, um, there is a difference between making the Holy Spirit disappointed and angry and making him sad and sorrowful. You can't make the Holy Spirit disciplined and angry at you. Okay, so I want, I want to be very careful there because that can make some people really upset. You, you can't, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. He knows all things. How can you make him disappointed if he already knows everything you're going to do? Okay, you can't make him disappointed, but you can make him sorrowful and sad. How? Because anytime you turn your back on someone in your relationship and choose to go your own way, you're going to hurt their feelings. It's as simple as that. And so anytime you choose to walk in disobedience, you are grieving or hurting the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the original language of, of those texts, don't grieve and don't quench, is this imagery of a flame being lit. And so when it says don't grieve or don't quench the Holy Spirit, the picture it's saying is don't pour water on the Holy Spirit. Don't pour water on what the Spirit is trying to do in your life. I wrote this down. Your obedience can create a flame that manifests fruit and power in your life, or your disobedience can be the one thing that snuffs it out. Do you want power? Do you want authority? Do you want fruit? It comes with obedience. It comes with obedience. And that's not like a, if you're disobedient, that can never happen. I'm just saying if you continually live your life going your own way, you're going to restrict the things the Holy Spirit wants to do. Here's, here's a question I want to ask you. Are you releasing or restricting the power that the Holy Spirit wants to release in your life? Releasing or restricting? Obedience releases, disobedience restricts. Have you ever wondered, like, um, when, when, you read, when, when you read in Acts, like, how the, how the disciples are, like, so bold, and they're healing people, and they're, they're bearing all this fruit, and they're, like, they're doing all these crazy things. It's because they're walking in obedience and in step with the Holy Spirit. There was a season in my life where I could not, I wanted pornography more than I wanted Jesus, just being honest. And the fruit in me and the joy in me and the life in me was just sucked out. And God wanted to release all of this beauty and, and, and fruit and power just like he wants to release in your life. But if you're continually giving into some type of sin and choosing that over God, then it's going to restrict it. It's going to restrict it. And so are you releasing or restricting the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? We've got to be people that walk in obedience. My last point, and then I'm going to shut up. Number four. You've got to understand your freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. I think I remember this one. Uh, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You've got to understand your, your freedom. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Here is 
um, here's how the world defines freedom, okay? The world defines freedom like this, the absence of something, right? I have so many, I'm a young adult pastor, I have so many conversations with, with young adults, sorry, brother, sorry, 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 great, uh, I have, so many, I have so many conversations with young adults where they say, man, I wish I, if I could just get rid of blank, then I would be free. If I could just get rid of the, the addiction, if I could just get rid of the, the anger, if I could just get rid of the anxiety, then I would be free. The world says freedom is the absence of something, but the Bible defines freedom. This verse defines freedom as the presence of someone, the Holy Spirit. So freedom is, is not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. And that, that someone is the Holy Spirit who's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. And part of your inheritance is freedom. So if you're a born-again believer, you're free. You're free. And that people, listen, there's circumstantial freedom and there's positional freedom. Positional freedom is if you're a born-again believer in Christ, you're a son or daughter, the Father looks at you and he says, because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he says, you're free. Now, circumstantially, there may be some things that, that you're struggling with, right? All of us. On this side of eternity, there will always be things that we will not be completely free from. But what I'm telling you is even in that, the middle of the darkness of whatever that thing is, the Father looks at you and he says, free. And so to the young man or young woman in here that cannot stop watching pornography, if you're a born-again believer, you're free. To the, to, the, to the young man or young woman in here that cannot stop struggling with anxiety or depression, the Father looks at you and says, you're free. To the person in here that can't stop struggling with anger or rage or malice or slander, whatever it may be, and you feel like you're so locked down, the Father looks at you and he says, you're free. People ask me all the time, well, how do I get to circumstantial freedom? By understanding your positional freedom. That's how. By understanding that in your deepest, darkest moment with whatever that thing is, the Father looks at you and says, you're free. You're free. You want to know how I stopped watching pornography? Because in my worst moment with pornography, God, I felt the Father, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me and say, hey, you're free, and I love you, and you don't have to do this anymore. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. You're free. You're a free man. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You don't have to fight for freedom. You can fight from it. Because the Holy Spirit has gone a long way to pursue you. And if you put your faith in Jesus by the blood of the cross and the work that he's done, and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're free. You're free. And so God, you see the Spirit in Eden, he gives life. God breathes life. Adam and Eve sin. Then the whole story, the temple, the tabernacle, exile, Jesus, God's people at Pentecost. The whole story is God by man is God by His Spirit pursuing man to be back in intimate relationship with Him. And so, FCA, the one question I have for you, and then I'm going to shut up, is: Are you with Him? Are you with Him? I know it's going to be weird. It's going to be. It's like I don't know. I don't want to wake up and like listen and create space and da 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 da. 
but he's a person. God, you got God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, fully God. He's not a force to be used. He's a person to grow in relationship with, and he's been pursuing you this whole way. Are you going to pursue him? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this uh, ministry, God. Thank you. I, I was just telling my buddy Austin right before, like during worship, I said there's a special anointing and a special grace on this ministry. And it's because there's young men and young women who love Jesus, who want to follow his ways, who want to get people into a field in Seneca. Seneca, it's the worst. But this is amazing because they want people to experience your presence. And they do what it, whatever it takes, God. And so thank you for that, God. I pray you'd continue to bless this ministry, continue to provide for this ministry, continue to grace this ministry, God. And I just pray that for everyone here tonight, God, that, that people would fall in love with your Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit, holy, set apart, cut from a different cloth. God, I pray they would realize that their bodies are temples of that Holy Spirit. And the way they talk to people, the way they interact with people, the way they, um, the things they watch on Netflix, the things that they do, say, think, affect the Holy Spirit in them, God. And that they would pursue intimacy with you. They would wake up early in the morning, God, and they wouldn't just, they wouldn't just only experience you, Holy Spirit, when they have goosebumps during worship. But they would experience you every day in the mundane as they're reading their Bible as they're sitting in class, as they're eating a bowl of cereal, God, would they just be with you in intimate relationship because you're not a force, you're a person. And you've been pursuing us this whole way. We love you, we praise you, we exalt you, God. You're the most beautiful and you're the most kind and you're the most amazing and you're the most fruitful and you're the most beautiful person. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory forever and always. In Jesus' name, amen.